Time now for AliCast, a deep dive into innovative and emerging trends in e-commerce, online payments, and digital entertainment. Brought to you by Alibaba Group, we'll offer insights about Chinese consumers and brands doing business in China. We'll delve into global online retail, cloud computing, big data, and other must-know topics and issues in and around one of China's largest companies. I'm Adam Najberg. Luxury consumption is on the rise in China, from long lines outside boutiques in Hong Kong to big-ticket purchases while visiting European capitals. Chinese shoppers are clearly seeking lifestyle upgrades. They're also shopping actively and increasing numbers for luxury items online. How do we make sense of this and telescope out to understand the patterns in this growing and exciting segment of China's retail market? That is why we're here with Danielle Bailey, head of APAC Research at Gartner's L2. There are a few experts out there with her bona fides, and we're happy to have her here with us today. Danielle, thanks. Thank you, Adam.、Uh, it's been too long. I think the last time we talked was at last November's Double Eleven in Shanghai.、Uh, absolutely, and I think、uh, China's probably undergone two evolutions since then. Everything does move faster in in China,、um, including the topic that I want to delve into today with you, which is luxury.、Uh, could we start with? If there is one, the, the typical profile of a Chinese luxury consumer. What's the difference between them and their Western counterparts? I think the biggest difference、uh, that brands sort of fail to account for is how young the Chinese luxury consumer is. You know, on average, the Chinese luxury consumer is about thirty-three years old. That's anywhere from you know ten years younger than their sort of European counterparts, and almost twenty-five years younger than their counterparts in the U.S. They're digitally native and digitally sophisticated,、uh, much more so than the typical luxury consumer that、um, luxury brands are, are typically interfacing with. They're also much more sophisticated, I think, than many brands give Chinese consumers to account for. You know, we mentioned just recently the speed. I think the speed is at, at which Chinese consumers have kind of gone through the luxury sophistication curve has probably been faster than any developing market in the world. So they've shifted from being sort of the all logos everywhere. Flashy, flashy, flashy to being, you know, wanting to be more discreet, wanting to experiment and find sort of niche luxury brands, wanting to be sort of trendsetters as opposed to just trend followers. It's funny you mentioned that that sort of November trip when I was there with you guys last. One of the things that I always look at when I'm in traveling in China are, are the sneakers that Chinese consumers are wearing. It's sort of just a good indication for me of like how trends are changing in the market and sort of where Chinese consumers are. It's funny that that was the first time I had seen the Balenciaga sneaker anywhere, like not even on the streets of New York where I live.、Um, was actually on that trip to China, in both China and Hong Kong. So young, or not even too young, even you know, sort of soccer mom age women wearing those Balenciaga sneakers, which became super hot. And I didn't really start seeing them on the streets of New York until around February. I mean, so that just shows you now that you know, Chinese consumers are driving the luxury trends now in terms of what's going on in Asia more broad, which is interesting to see. Sort of, you know, Chinese consumers go in the driver's driver's seat not only from the you know trend perspective, but obviously from the sales perspective. They account for you know more than a third of all.、Um, Global luxury purchase. If I can unpack just a little bit, because you, you hit a couple of key things there. You talked about. A trend I noticed: the the older people are actually, you know, they have the income. They're setting the trends. In China, we've noticed as well that young luxury consumers, the ones born after 1995, are particularly interesting to some brands. Can you tell us why would brands be smart to focus on those younger people 
and, and how do you win their hearts? Yeah, so the, the younger consumer um, is expected, I think, projected to account for 70% of the growth in terms of Chinese disposable income over the next decade. And so who's going to be your consumer tomorrow is actually the young people today. Um, I think in terms of the, the trends, um, it is those younger people who are driving those trends. And so what we've seen them do, when you look at um, the brands that are being sort of successful this past year, Gucci, um, Balenciaga, so on and so forth, the products that are being purchased aren't their typical handbags, aren't their typical like trench coats and things like that you would expect from a luxury consumer. But it's actually these, you know, athleisure wear, this, you know, whether it's, you know, $3,000 tracksuits or, um, again, sort of sneaker, you know, luxury sneakers being a huge, and that's being driven by this younger consumer's taste um, that, again, is having sort of widespread influence. And so as, as the luxury consumer is getting younger, um, the brands themselves have to become younger and think about how to, how to sort of serve these two demographics simultaneously. And most importantly, you know, how to get, you know, digitally sophisticated in order to really engage those younger consumers where they already are, which is online in China. You mentioned just now digitally sophisticated. When those guys are coming online, they expect something different. When they go shopping, they behave differently. What about their spending habits? Are there any nuances between the way they spend in China and overseas versus the older people? I'm trying to get a better sense for who these people are, what kind of money they have, and, and how they're using it. You know, so traditionally, Chinese consumers have been thought of as savers, specifically the older generation. This younger generation is much more willing to spend more of their, um, more of their uh, disposable income. And they're also looking for experiences. And so whether it's, you know, traveling abroad in a much more um, specifically alone in a much more um, advanced rate than their, than their older peers or exploring new brands um, and looking for sort of offline and online experiences that provide them sort of a unique, uh, a neat, a unique look at the brand, you know, that's sort of really what's driving this young consumer. The, the other big thing that I think we haven't touched on either is just the difference in that the Chinese consumer is a traveling consumer. Um, and so, you know, while only 11% of global luxury sales are done within China, Chinese nationals account for over a third of global, of global luxury uh, purchases now and are expected to account for sort of 40% of them by 2024. I mean, so what Why that, is that? That's really driven by pricing primarily. And what we, what we found sort of in some of our research is that not only does the price gap between you know, China and the U.S. or China and Europe, not only is it large, but it actually continues to increase uh, year over year. Um, and some of the research that we just published, specifically between the sort of China and U.S., uh, on average, we saw a price premium back in 2017 at about 11 percent. When we looked at that data a year, a year later, it had increased to 21 percent. But as soon as we sort of published our research, we've also noticed a number of luxury brands, including Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Burberry, Pandora, announcing sort of price cuts in the market. Because these price cuts, what they do is they, first of all, they drive Chinese consumers to purchase abroad, which in some ways is helpful to the luxury brand because it's buoys some of their slower growth markets like Europe. But it's a bad thing because it also creates this arbitrage opportunity that people take advantage of in terms of producing a gray market. And those who are really sophisticated are selling this product online. So oftentimes where you see these lines in Europe and, you know, in London and Paris that are filled with sort of Chinese, those are often third party sellers. 
who are looking to buy out those stores and then sell it back to Chinese consumers online at a much lower price. And because the price differences are so great, they can per- they can charge a reduced price uh, in the market and still uh, and still make money themselves. So what what I hear you saying is it's not not enough to just open the channel. You have to kind of differentiate what you're experience is on that channel. Absolutely. I'll talk about one of the brands, um, Swarovski, which was actually a, one of the new entrants sort of into our top 10 of our ranking this year. You know, they basically have made the decision that they're going to sell on almost any online platform that the customer might, or the luxury consumer might purchase them on. So they offer their own direct-to-consumer e-commerce experience in China, which is actually quite expensive from a customer acquisition and logistics standpoint. But it gives brands sort of the control that they want. Um, what we saw this year uh, in, in, the, in, the, in our research is that a ton of brands, because of the double-digit growth in luxury that came back this year, they wanted to get in on the game. And many of them have launched e-commerce in the last year, many of them choosing to launch direct-to-consumer as the primary way to do that. Again, because this ongoing desire for control, control of the customer and control of the brand. But a brand like Swarovski is extending beyond um, DTC, also selling uh, through its Tmall store, selling also via WeChat, being super innovative in terms of one of the first brands to utilize um, mini programs to sell things specifically around promotions around holidays like Mother's Day, and Valentine's Day, and then also launching sort of exclusive products through JD's sort of top like platform. So being everywhere to all people, but providing this sort of unique, customized experience on each one of those platforms has been sort of Swarovski's calling card into the market. I will say that's a very difficult strategy to maintain. Most brands actually are trying to provide sort of a unified experience uh, across all their brand properties to basically be agnostic in terms of whichever door you choose to enter. Um, you're seeing sort of the same sort of experience from the brand and that sort of thing. You mentioned the the dedicated digital space for luxury brands. Alibaba has the luxury pavilion. When you look at that as a strategy for for brands that are going digital, is it a smart way to go to go onto an exclusive platform like this? And what are the major differences or pros or cons that you see? Sure. Like I mentioned, we we saw when brands launched e-commerce in this last year, most of them did choose direct-to-consumer e-commerce because of that control factor. I think it's interesting to see Tmall's Luxury Pavilion try to provide this sort of safe space for specifically luxury brands to operate. The first thing it does is provide a targeted experience, right? So only the highest value consumers, those who have made high dollar purchases on Tmall and who are already sort of in the demographic that these brands are looking for, get access to the Luxury Pavilion. So I think that's first. The biggest benefit that being on a platform like Tmall offers you is traffic and customer and customer data. One of the difficulties, like I said, of running your own direct-to-consumer e-commerce business is just the cost of customer acquisition, which is very high in China. You basically have to pay to get customers into your into your channel across a number of different platforms. It's just costly to maintain. Getting them to repeat and come back and visit is very hard. Tmall is already a place where all consumers, but luxury consumers as well, um, are already shopping. I think it's a little bit different. I think especially Western brands have a hard time understanding a platform like Tmall. So first of all, the consumer set that's shopping on Tmall is already also the luxury consumer. Uh, what Tmall Luxury Pavilion offers, in addition to sort of this safe, st- targeted space, 
is merchandising opportunities. It gives sort of brands the flexibility to show their brand in in a light that is very different from sort of the very stale presentation. Simon Luxury Pavilion, it's very me- media rich, it's interactive, and again, it's sort of targeted, which is, a, is a, an important part of sort of having customers um, believe in the authenticity of the product, believe in who's providing with this product, and providing just an elevated experience that, that luxury consumers w- would expect. Where's that going though? If we can stay on this luxury e-commerce theme for a second, we know that Chinese consumers like to be engaged, entertained, shopping is a social experience. In this specific luxury space, have you seen brands doing something different? What are they using new technologies to engage consumers? How are they creating a differentiated experience? How do you know that they want you as that high-end customer? Well, there's a couple a couple of different things that we've seen sort of happen. You know, whether it's, you know, Cartier's promotion where you purchase through via WeChat and then they sent a luxury helicopter to pick you up to take you to the store to pick it up. Or whether it's, you know, Valentino in the Tmall uh, luxury pavilion using virtual reality as a way to sort of bring the store experience to life and allow you to reserve product online and pick it up in store. I, I think it's interesting, sort of a parallel. We also look very closely at the beauty, at the premium beauty space. And the premium beauty space has been has become much more open to the T-Mall experience from both the regular T-Mall as well as the luxury pavilion experience because they have decided that, again, the challenges of operating your own direct-to-consumer business uh, in the market are just too hard, as well as they've, they have come to accept sort of the T-Mall luxury pavilion as a safe space to do, to do um, business. The other thing that we've seen um, beauty brands do is actually invite T-Mall into their actual retail outlets. So whether it's brands, you know, brands like Innisfree or L'Oreal Paris or uh, Estee Lauder partnered with T-Mall to bring sort of in-store technology, whether it's virtual try-ons or the ability for consumers to, you know, get samples sort of in-store digitally or also browse sort of the T-Mall marketplace while they're in-store. It'll be interesting to see if there's going to be a luxury brand that will also sort of invite T-Mall into their retail experience. Um, One of the things that I always often notice when I'm in China, uh, in addition to looking at sneakers, I go walk the luxury uh, luxury malls, and they're typically empty um, all the time, which is which is interesting. And obviously, on you know special occasions and holidays, people will go uh, into the store to do sort of actual purchase. Chinese consumers still like the VIP, high touch in store experience that luxury consumers op- that luxury brands offer them. And very much sort of enjoy that experience of being sort of pampered in store. But they're often empty, again, because of this sort of pricing issue that we talked about earlier. So Chinese luxury consumers will often sort of hold their purchases. It still makes more sense for them to, you know, get on a plane, buy a plane ticket, book a hotel for a week, shop till they drop while they're in Paris or London bring back two extra suitcases full of luxury goods and bring them home. So yeah, like I said, it'll be interesting to see a collaboration between Tmall and one of the the premium luxury brands because premium luxury brands, like the rest of uh, China's sort of retail environment, struggle to be able to offer the online to offline experience that Chinese consumers are coming to expect in other parts of the retail environment. And right now what we've seen is on their own, brands have just struggled to be able to do that. Again, it's challenging from a logistics standpoint. It's challenging from a systems integration standpoint for their online and offline inventories. And could, you know, uh, Alibaba step in 
is an enabler for something like that for a luxury brand. I think that would be interesting to see. Danielle, thanks. I, I wonder if we could close on on one thing. I just want to get a little bit of a differentiation or a sense for differentiation. We keep talking about luxury, but really it, it's more differentiated than that, more nuanced than that. We have fashion, we have accessories, we have beauty. How does that market shake out and what should brands be emphasizing? So from the beauty perspective, what we've seen in terms of brands who've been able to be, to be very successful in the market, if you look like in the in the last year, a brand like Mac, or YSL, who've launched into the market on Tmall and have had to sort of huge success, or a brand like Estee Lauder, who's also been able to sort of drive success. One, to know and understand the trends. And so lipstick was a super hot product in the last year. Knowing what your hero product is and sort of leaning into that from a marketing perspective is important. I think the biggest thing about China is how connected the digital ecosystem is, although it is quite fragmented in some ways. And so those brands have also been super sophisticated in having sort of off off Tmall platform activations that drive and connect to a commerce experience. And so leveraging social media, aligning themselves with the right influencers, using those conversations about their brands to connect directly to commerce, uh, working with uh, lower influencers like KOLs uh, to also drive, uh, uh, amplify their brand messaging. And again, connecting that to some sort of commerce experience has been huge in terms of the biggest differentiators for, for beauty brands specifically. From a fashion brand perspective, what we've seen is really sort of a bifurcation in terms of digital sophistication for fashion brands, sort of a have and a have not story. So the haves are really doubling down on uh, having strategic e-commerce strategy that's typically multi-pronged. Um, it's not just via one channel, but often uh, utilizes many channels including direct-to-consumer e-commerce and some sort of pure play e-tailer uh, into the market. Brands who are being sort of innovative in the channels themselves, understanding that Tmall, as you mentioned, is not only sort of a transactional commerce marketplace, but also a place that they can leverage, whether it's from the see night by night shopping uh, fashion shows that you guys host or producing media content within those platforms that sort of bring their brands to life, super important. And then as well, this association with influencers, I can't stress enough about how, you know, how strong that is. And the smart brands have started to have, you know, Chinese celebrities on their runways, but also to turn over their social media accounts to these uh, Chinese celebrities in order to drive sort of conversations about their brand. And knowing the customer, knowing what's hot and sort of leaning into that on and off. So hero products, lean in and get your channels right is is kind of the, the message that I'm taking away from, from that. Absolutely. Uh, Danielle, thank you so much for spending all this time. I hope that we don't have to wait until next or this year's 11.11 to speak and meet again. I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much. And um, hopefully not that, not that long and Look forward to seeing how the Tmall ecosystem continues to evolve to be the space for premium brands to engage with luxury consumers who are already there. You've been listening to AliCast, a regular podcast from the Alibaba Group. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Adam Najberg. Mm-hmm.